0: Hello and welcome to this Head Talks podcast. I'm Terri Stiastny and I've been speaking to Dr Nihara Krause. She's a consultant clinical psychologist who specialises in the mental health of children and young people. We're coming out of several months of lockdown and things are still uncertain. How have things been for you? How have you been keeping during these last
1: few strange months? I have been adapting to uh, working digitally. So, in fact, I switched all my clinics to remote as soon as COVID struck, and I've been incredibly busy on that side. Part of the reason being that I also create health tech, and some of the health tech products that I had there for children and young people to use, um, of course, served a function over that period of time. Um, and also really enjoyed, I think, the opportunity to you know, be at home, connect with family um, and then start to kind of explore my local area um, a little bit more. I was walking every day. So generally adjusted to a new life, really. In your
0: professional life, you deal a lot, particularly with young people, children um, and their well-being. What have you seen as a result of these last few months in terms of the effect on young people's mental health? I think what's perhaps
1: helpful, to put this into context, to think a little bit about what sort of trends were happening pre-COVID-19, because they have, of course had been impacted quite significantly. So the trends that were there before were a rise in emotional disorders, in anxiety and depression, especially in young women between the ages of 17 and 19. Suicide was uh, a leading cause of death in young people, especially young men, and self-harm as a way of showing distress in as many as one in six young people who already had an existing mental ill health uh, problem. And eating disorders were also showing a gradual rise with perhaps a bit more of a skew towards more male males presenting with body image issues. So what I've noticed post-COVID is really that all of these conditions have worsened. Very interestingly, Immediately subsequent to the effect, people were very anxious, but they also at some level felt protected by the ability to take steps, whether it was about uh, taking steps to uh, be at home, um, not kind of come into direct contact uh, with the virus. And so there was a slight decrease in stress. But as The end of lockdowns happened and subsequently to that, there's been a very steep rise in stress, distress, anxiety, uh, anger about the unpredictability of what's happening and certain anxiety conditions, for example, obsessive compulsive disorder has been directly affected. So that's increased quite significantly. Uh, Conditions that are often triggered by loss and grief, Uh, such as depression uh, or an eating disorder, have been made worse. And one of the uh, clinical conditions that I think we all have to be prepared to deal with and face is a rise in post-traumatic stress. Um, And that's partly because of the experience uh, that people have been through, but also as a result of increased domestic violence, family breakdown in families where um, lockdown hasn't worked that well. Uh, increased poverty, loss of jobs, and uh, a huge sense of isolation.
0: And how much are those conditions affecting particularly the young more than the rest of us? Because we can obviously all understand a lot of those feelings and how they may tip
1: over into more serious issues. I think it's always much harder for younger people. It depends a little on their age, of course, and their developmental level and their cognitive understanding of things. So, Certainly, if you are younger, lower adolescent range, then one of the things that has been generated is an increased fear of illness and death, and a sense, a heightened sense of vulnerability. Children who are young, as well as teenagers, have really lost out on opportunities to learn to socialize face to face directly. There's been an increase of worry in a lot of young people with regards perhaps being people who might pass on illness to vulnerable people in their family, whether that's parents or grandparents, for example. And I think in general, the loss of structure that young people have experienced in terms of loss of school, lack of future goals, has been particularly difficult for them. Particularly for people of that age, teenagers, young adults, friendships
0: are crucial and they're crucial to helping Form your idea of who you are. I suppose. What's the effect been on those friendships and those, you know, the lack of being able to socialise normally, which
1: obviously is still going on. You know, some young people have, of course, got social networks, and speaking remotely uh, is not something that's unusual to them. Although not everyone has access to digital, but I think what has been very difficult for young people is to learn to form intimate connections uh, to learn to build on face-to-face contacts, to learn all the things that we do when we see people face-to-face, whether that's about closeness, whether that's about negotiating conflict, whether that's about developing a stronger meaning about uh, the kind of importance of that person, and indeed, as you mentioned, developing a sense of identity about yourself and building on your sense of self-worth and self-esteem. So. What can
0: parents in particular do to support their children, their families during this time and to perhaps give them some of that structure and some of that backup that you say is so important?
1: I think the first thing that... Would be helpful for parents to acknowledge is that all of us have been subjected to a time period where our sense of safety has been challenged. And when our safe sense of safety is challenged, from a psychological perspective, we have a huge rise in anxiety. And children and young people may show that anxiety differently to parents. So they might become more clingy, for example, they might go completely the other way and become more challenging in their behaviours. So if parents can hold in mind that they are dealing with a population who are feeling quite anxious and think about how they might reduce that anxiety by providing a structure um, and that weaker structure helps with regards a sense of personal safety, if they can start to think a little bit about some of the boundaries that may have lapsed over lockdown and subsequently, so whether that's things around bedtime or access to digital, that would be very helpful to start to implement those again and to see that, that might there might need to be a gradual implementation for children and young people to get back on track to encourage Uh, social connection, and of course, uh, obviously keeping COVID-19 safety in mind, but to encourage the development and the formation of those friendship groups. If there have been family difficulties that children and young people have been more exposed to as a result of the pandemic, to have an open discussion and to be able to highlight what steps might be being taken to keep them safe would be helpful. Helping them get back into education. So really starting to bring about that self-discipline that comes through learning, having bits of homework to do, being able to think about recreating those goals. And for some children and young people who might find going back to school difficult, it might be that there were pre-existing issues around attending school for example or friendships being able to encourage them to face their worries about going back to school would also be helpful.
0: Well I was going to ask you yes about going back to school or going back to university or obviously for many students they'll be starting a new school or a new college course but of course all the rules are going to be different it's not going to be what we were used to for anybody. What Impact do you think that will have on young people, and how can we learn to cope with that? Perhaps
1: all of us. I think that you know it it will have impact because they will be going into a new situation, and we know that adjusting to new creates a huge amount of stress, even if it's good new, it's difficult. So, being prepared again to give them clear, as clear guidelines as possible, being able to provide them with opportunities to have a few more breaks perhaps than they might do, focusing on their mental health and well-being, making sure they're settled prior to perhaps engaging them in the whole task of being assessed uh, for education, so potentially deferring uh, any sorts of assessments or exams and helping them to get back into the structure of learning. Parents, again, to be able to get back into that discipline of the school run and supporting their children to face the challenges that they might encounter.
0: was wondering though are there also some positives that we can draw from this whole experience I'm thinking perhaps of you know developing resilience and learning to cope with the unexpected I mean some pupils may have learnt to work and study much more independently more earlier on than they might have done do you think this could actually stand this generation in quite good
1: stead for later life if it's handled correctly I think absolutely I think this is an opportunity to learn about how to face challenges and to deal with how you might overcome them and whether that is through learning about the techniques that they uh, used to negotiate the changes. I think learning to wait has been a very good learning that's come about through this whole period. Connecting with family and friends. It's been a bit like an extended Christmas for some people in terms of family games and family meals and enhancing that form of communication. Learning to think positively, so being able to look at challenges, being able to problem solve and to have a framework of how they might overcome that and recognise their own strengths. These are all things that will help young people to build resilience. And to do that, of course, we've also got to create what's called a resiliency framework, which is for the people around a young person to think about how they might help them to develop that. And that's through thinking all the way from having policies and procedures to having resources to support young people to do that.
0: Because after all, I mean, these young people have lived through something that you know, none of us have ever really seen before. And if they can learn to take some lessons from that, you know, life is going to throw many things at them. But this is must be a very
1: unusual one. Yes. And I think that that's That would be a good way to look at how we can help the impact of what's happened help young people to overcome that, really.
0: And so finally, if you could give a few tips to young people and their families as to how to develop kind of good mental habits for the future, what are some of the things that you might tell your clients and people you speak to to do?
1: I think at a very basic level, think a little bit about establishing good self-care and what we would mean about good self-care would be thinking about making sure you sleep well and adequately, eat well, do some regular exercise, make sure that you have a balance between work and rest, help uh, kind of rethink some of your goals. They might be new goals, but think ahead and adjust to those um, and keep focusing on some of the positives that you have learned and that you might want to keep embedding into the future. It's very important to look after your emotions. It's not always easy for some people to share in their emotions, but certainly if things are getting you down Think about talking to somebody about it. It could be a friend, it could be a parent, it could be a trusted adult, it could be a professional, but there is help out there and there is help that works. And getting at things early will make a huge difference. Thank you so much. That's really valuable,
0: uh, useful information. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe for more from Head Talks on any of the major podcast channels and do share with your friends.